Welcome to Marysville 3CU. I'd like to give the introduction for those that are joining online that we're at marysville3cu.org in case they're listening through podcast or through some other method on how they can get there. Today's message is on fear. It's on fear. And as we look at this understanding of fear and as we ponder fear, I thought we would start with maybe a a little bit of an illustration that you might be um, might be able to relate to. Have you ever? Is anybody here scared of bees? Nobody's scared of bees. That's good. Oh, okay. All right. There's some that are scared of bees, and uh, okay, he can raise his hand. That's all right. He's scared of bees. Yes, even the little children can participate. That's fine. So, when we, have you ever been in a vehicle with someone that's scared of flying insects or of bees or something, and you get a little concerned for your welfare, because the fear of the bee overcomes the fear of the ditch. Have you ever, you ever been in that situation? Can you relate to that? I've been, I've been around uh, with uh, people that are afraid of flying insects or bees and things, and I'm one of those that swell up if I get stung. But I have learned to let the bees crawl on my hand or whatever it might be. It always agitates me a little bit with those that are fearful of these insects start swatting and batting at them because I'm the one that's going to get stung. That's at least my fear. Um, so I've learned to try to cohabitate with these, with these, beer, uh, these, these bees. But it might be something else that you're afraid of and, and it throws you into that challenging state where you almost lose your perspective on what should you really be fearful of. Because fear seems to drive us in our actions and our reactions and what we do and what we don't do. And there are people that purvey fear to motivate you. It's to the extent that even sometimes someone might say something like, if it will save one life, or if it will save one soul. And then you walk in fear that you will be perceived as not caring about the one soul or the one individual. And so this fear is everywhere, and how do we respond to it, and what do we do with it because it is driving society at this point. It is driving government. It is driving churches on whether they even get together and meet or not. Fear. So let's look to the Bible. We're going to look at a few scriptures today. Um, but I want to lay, let's start with John 14, 27. And if you're one that uh, takes uh, reference, so, you know, then we'll move to Romans 8, 15. And then we're going to spend some time on 2 Timothy 1.7. So John 14.27. We'll be reading today from uh, the New King James Version as we do. But you feel uh, welcome to follow along in what uh, Bible you are using. And again, I want to remind you it's a good thing to have a physical Bible. It's a good thing. To, and I don't want to be, it sounds like I'm fear mongering. But if you were in Cuba recently, you wouldn't have a Bible at all if the only thing you had was online. 
they take away <laughs> if you didn't have it. But I just like having a physical Bible that I can reference to. And so we encourage you uh, to have a physical Bible. Something you can reference. Something you feel confidence in. And something that you use. Not that you can't have an online Bible or listen to the Bible or all those things. Um, I'm just saying it's good to have a physical Bible. So let's look at John 14, 27. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's continue reading a little bit. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Let's just stop there with that particular passage and move to Romans 8.15. Just some passages here to remind you that we don't have to be afraid. In Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father, or Papa God. Fear Fear restricts us. Fear controls us. People under intense fear sometimes can't go out of the house. It is a real thing, fear. And there's a lot of fear today. And we go to 2 Timothy 1.7. And that's where we'll spend some time. Second Timothy one seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of love and of a sound mind. He has not given us a spirit of fear. Now it's very interesting that there's two words here that this is the only place, there's two Greek words that they're the only place they're being used here. It's the words that they're translating into the word fear and sound mind. Fear and sound mind. And the fear is this timidity. And some of your translations might have something different, but it's cowardly or cowardice. It's not that the word fear in English isn't used anywhere else. It's that the Greek word, because the New Testament um, is from was written in Greek, and it's been translated, and now we find it's translated into English. And so the Greek word behind this is timidity, cowardice. And then the sound mind, in some of your Bibles, you might find the word discipline or self-discipline, especially if you're using uh, New American Standard or the NIV. But the sound mind is this prudent action. So if you're in... Let me give you an example of what it's not. If you're in a car with the person that's afraid of bees and they are driving and they choose to go in the ditch versus ignoring the bee, see, that's out of balance. The balance thing would be to try to ignore the bee, keep it on the road, and calmly pull over. And then you can run, get out of the car and run screaming or whatever you've got to do. But don't endanger the life of everyone in the car over your fear of the bee. Fear of the bee. 
It's appropriate action in the situation. But then it also talks about and of love. So do you get this, you get this picture that if we're in fear, when God tells us to do something, who do we fear more? Do we fear God or men? How do we respond to that? But when we respond, and we're going to come back to that in a minute, when we respond, we need to respond into situations with love. We need to respond with a sound mind, a disciplined mind that comes from God, but not cowardly. As I preach, it would be very easy for me to preach in a cowardly fashion. Meaning, I'd only tell you the stuff that you liked. And then we'd probably have a whole bunch of people here. But I need to tell you what the truth is. And so I, as, being, as the admonition went to Timothy, need to preach without fear. But see, as we go through life and as we come in contact with other people, and if you think about it, when you sit down with your family to pray for a meal at home, and then when you fit, sit down for a meal in public, for what do you decide to pray or not pray in public over your meal? Is it the fear that drives you, that keeps you from doing that? You should not do that as a badge of honor. Listen, I'm going to pray. I want everybody to see. That would be just like the hypocrites in the Bible that Jesus admonished. But at the same time, you shouldn't not do it because you're afraid of what other people would think. Fear. How do you respond? When we respond to situations, we need to be reminded that there's another word in there that it says, He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. I looked up the word power and where it came from, and the word there means miraculous force. Miraculous force. We can have courage as we come into situations that we have the backing of the miraculous force of God to deal with situations, but we're to deal with them with love and not with fear. Matthew 10, 27 through 31. Matthew 10, 27 to 31. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And not two sparrows sold for a copper coin. Let me read that again. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, for you, fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Who do you fear? The thing you fear the most seems to drive 
Our behavior, whom do you fear? Whose opinion do you fear? Fear. There's a lot of fear out there. When I was in college, we, I took a class on the nuclear predicament. Today, they talk a lot about global warming. Then they talk about the nuclear predicament, and they talked about something called nuclear winter. See, we grew up with the Soviet Union at full power, United States at full power, and as I was in junior high in those ages, there was the con concept that if they sent a bomb or a missile over, what would we do? Well, because we're in as close to the vicinity of Dayton, Ohio, Strategic Air Command, my dad said, you won't have to worry about it. Because the weapons were pointed across. That's the kind of fear we had, was the nuclear weapons coming from the Soviet Union. And this concept of nuclear winter, that after all the bombs went off, that there would be such a haze of dust that there would no longer be anything but a winter because the sun would be blocked out from all the dust. I put in my paper, are you familiar with the verse from Genesis 8.22? Genesis 8.22 You know, after, after the flood, you know the flood with Noah? Genesis 8.22 says, Well, the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. I basically told my professor in my paper, I'm not really concerned because if the earth is still here, we'll still have winter and summer. Looks there like we're going to have cold and heat too. Now God will come back at some point and it'll all be gone. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But the question is, is who do you fear? Do you fear man? Do you fear man's opinion? Do you fear being canceled? There's so much fear that's out there. Where do you go, then, to satisfy your fears? This is my concern in this day. Because I will tell you, we have power through God to help us. But where do you go for your answers? How do you supply the answer to your fear? And who are you trying to satisfy? Do you say things on social media so that you're not canceled? Or do you say things on social media because the crowd that's against the cancel culture would like you to say that and you don't want the fear, the wrong opinion from them? Do you hear, hear what I'm saying? You can, you can not say things because you don't want to be canceled, but you could be saying things because for fear that you'd be associated with the cancel culture. It's another form of fear. It's on the other side. And so we become driven by fear. And we get, become driven by opinion. As we walk through restaurants or grocery stores today, 
you'll see people with masks on. Now, this is not whether you should or shouldn't wear a mask for the virus. The purpose is, is why are you wearing a mask? Are you wearing the mask because you're virtue signaling that you are self-righteous because you wear one? Or are you not wearing one for fear of what your friends and colleagues will say because you aren't? Who are you accountable to? The opinions of others or the opinions of God? See, they combine this fear with this guilt thing and it kind of gets into what you're thinking about. It's what, if it would save one life or if it would save one soul. The mask will not save your soul. We have churches that are running in fear of the government. They're not getting together at all. In some cases, they become marketers. There might be fearful of what the opinion would be about their church if they did meet, or what would be the opinion of the church if they didn't meet. I would suggest just asking God what you should do and not live in fear. See, fear is driving A church shouldn't be living in fear. Well, if I say this, if I preach this, if I do this, if I stand up for this, some people might not attend our church. That's living in fear. What does Scripture say? We should be fearing God. He should be the one that we fear because not only can destroy our body, but our souls in hell. Who do you fear? Who's, who's that, that main thing that makes you fear? I have concerns as people seemingly, the bee has gotten in the car of their life and they're running irrationally everywhere and they have no anchor because they're running in fear. May I remind you that there's the power of God that should be that solace to us to lift us up and give us courage in the face of all obstacles. We do not have to walk in fear. My bigger fear, my bigger fear is as I look out at society, I see this groundswell. We don't rely on each other anymore. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all. And your neighbor as yourself. But people don't go to their neighbors anymore. They go to the government. Are we helping out our neighbors or are we just sending them to the government? The reason that concerns me as we get dependent on the government is like getting dependent, dependent on wealth. We're going down that atheistic track that follows up in your dictatorships and your communist type countries. They're atheistic because they don't want you to depend on anything but them. I've told you in North Korea, they worship him. Nazi Germany, they pray to Hitler. All their answers come from the government. The answers come from God. God, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. We're getting to the point where the government becomes the purveyor 
of fear and that truth is dictated by them what is truth and by society what is truth. But God provides us the truth. And we, out of fear of what other people might say or what we might get canceled or what might happen, we don't say anything. We don't want to cause any offense. But I'd rather offend men than offend God. We may stay true to the truth. We find more and more as they become these purveyors of fear, the people are afraid and afraid and afraid. But the government can't save your soul. It's Jesus that saves our soul. As we see churches splitting up over masks, the focus was on the wrong thing. I'm not telling you whether wearing masks or not wearing masks. What I'm saying is it's a shame that churches split up over masks. Something's not right. It's the same when churches fail the assembling of themselves together. Out of fear. Because it was at the point that churches weren't even allowed to meet outside in their cars. Because of fear. 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 We're so fearful today that we can't call someone a he or a she. We have to call them a them. Because we don't want to offend. At some point, we have to adhere to the truth. And we have to adhere to the truth of God. We have to stop walking in fear. But we can't walk around just being offensive to say we can be offensive. It has to be in love. But as you deal with the virus personally, think about the safety and security that God gives in you, that you have an eternity with Jesus, with your sins forgiving. But think about how fearful it is for people that don't know Jesus. They're running in that fear. They're looking for answers. They're looking for solutions. They know something's not right. They're trying to create their own virtuous life through a social gospel or through mask or through how they treat different individuals and how they do all these things. They don't understand true love. They don't understand their need of Jesus. And as people rely more and more on the government for answers instead of looking to Scripture or looking to the church and as the church folds into the society and allows that everything goes, and they fall into, they don't want to be offensive to anyone, and everyone can come in. They want to be seeker-sensitive and not offend anyone. The gospel is offensive to those that need Jesus. It wakes them up. The law that's in there tells them that you're doing something wrong. You need Jesus. It wakes them up. If they walk in and nothing that you're doing is offensive to them from the concept of saying there's nothing different than are you a church at all. 
to just a social gathering, not pointing to the justice of Jesus, the justice that He so loved us, He knew that we died in sin and were deserving of hell, but in His grace and His love, Jesus came, died on the cross for us, that we can have forgiveness of our sins. We do not need to walk in fear. We need to start walking in courage and in the power that God gave us. And you might say to yourself, well, things have never been this way. In Jesus' time, they were under the Roman uh, government. In Jesus' time, sexual perversion was everywhere, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We just need to start having a little more courage. A little more courage. We need to live the life that God has us to live and not walk in fear. Because what kind of witness is it when we walk in fear? That we do not have any hope? That we don't have any peace? That we don't really believe? That God is walking with us? And so we walk continually in fear. And fear overcomes us. Can I say to you that if you're walking in fear, you're on the defensive. It's really hard to go out and fight the battles if you're always in a crouched position and retreat. Let's turn to Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor what your body or your body, what you will put on is not your life more than food. And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Trust in God and He will provide. And I know that is a hard thing. You know that at this church, this is not a paid position as pastor. And I know that I have a job for another month and after that, I don't have income. Myself, I won't have a job. That's all I know about. So I know how hard this is. But we can trust God because I can tell you from my experience, He keeps providing. And unfortunately, I keep getting a little antsy. Which is natural, right? I get antsy. I'm like, yeah, but I'd like to know what my job's going to be. Yes, God will provide. 
but God, I know you're going to provide, but could you tell me what the job is going to be anyhow? You know, it wouldn't have just, you know, just to, just to alleviate a little bit. But like Abraham was called out and he went out and was to not go in fear, Abraham was supposed to get up from where he was at and go. Where was he going? God was going to let him know later. Well, that's tough. I understand that. But that's another form of fear. We need to be trusting in God. There's a lot of people telling you what you should be fearing. They have solutions and their answer to the hope of the world is the answer that they have. And so to get you there, they're trying to tell you what you should fear. And there's a lot of it. It's so disappointing that elementary kids are fearful. So fearful they think the world is going to come to end because of global warming in a decade or less. But they know nothing about God and eternity. There's so, there's so much pervasion uh, of fear and fear, but pointing to them as having the answer or pointing to the government to having the answer. I'm not anti-government. If you would have come to our lesson last Sunday night, we would talk about the balance and how we're supposed to be under the authority of the government. But there comes a point when it starts to endanger our family, but it definitely comes to the point when it's encounter to God. Purveyors of truth and the holding of what is good information and bad information is not Facebook, is not Twitter, is not Google, is not the government. It's God's word. So don't walk in fear. Don't worry so much about what other people think. Maybe we need to pray that God would toughen us up a little bit. It may not be that we need things to go softer. It may need to be, we need to be a little tougher. We don't have to wear our feelings out on the, our shirt sleeves so much. That we need to be able to handle a little bit more. Do a little bit more in love and have courage. Because if we're doing and behaving that God wants us, God wants us to be, we can have the assurance that we have the power of God behind us. And then we can rest and trust in Him. Let's be standing together. Father God, as people have received this message, I don't know where they are in their fear. I don't know what that predominant fear that might cause them to ask, act irrationally, that might get things out of balance, so they become more consumed with the fear of whatever than their fear of you. Lord, help us to have the assurance 
of our relationship with you, that we might not be cowardly in our relationship, but we might have that assurance that we have the miraculous force of God with us. We don't have to carry around a spirit of fear. And that we can have that, as it said, that sound line, that discipline to respond appropriately in different situations. Lord, help us there. Father, we live in a society that is overrun with fear. Fear what other people think. Fear of all kinds of things. Help us, Lord, to be a light on a shining hill that we have hope in an eternal God. May we not rely on others for our truth, but rely on you and your scripture. Help us to be courageous. Help our country, dear Lord, that is relying more and more on government, becoming more and more atheistic, and relying less and less on you. Help us to be that example of courage and comfort and peace. May we love our neighbors and share with them in a way that's true. Bless us now in these next few minutes. Dear Lord, be with those that might hear us online, that if they need you, if they're worried about their eternity, that they'll realize that salvation comes through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, that you might touch them and that you might help them to find a place of prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. Here in the congregation, I ask that you bow your heads and with your hearts praying just for a 